90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh, I'm nervous about this show, John. I don't like, I don't like what we're about to do. <laughs> you don't like reevaluating your goals in a public setting? Man, those were my exact words. <laughs> Uh, I guess that's why we're such good friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I don't like, but that's okay. I'm going to take my medicine. <laughs> <laughs> In liquid form, I'm assuming. I, and that as well. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah. So somehow the summer is over. I don't even... What summer? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, our classes start next week here at Penn State. I don't know when yours do. Yep, yep. We start on Monday. So, us two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I'm actually going to be out of town at a conference, and I am teaching a course this semester. Uh, <laughs> so, I have assigned reading for the first week. Oh, wow. See, that automatically makes you one of the favorite profs right out of the gate. Yes. You know, assigning out-of-class reading and uh-huh. uh, doing in-class activities that require engagement. I think those are... You oh know, yeah, your keys re- for good reviews. <laughs> your reviews are going to be way up there. <laughs> but you know what? They're going to learn, so that's the important part. Uh, hopefully. So, but yeah, I'll be at I'll be at a conference, and so I've been getting ready for that this week, uh, making posters to print. Hopefully, before the show comes out, because when the show releases, I should be on the road to New Hampshire. Ooh, well, that's exciting. Yes. So, what have you been up to this week? Oh, man, it's more in the realm of what you usually do, I feel like, is that I have been trapped underneath a ancient, in terms of scientific parlance, a magnetometer trying to actually physically fix it. And I feel like I need an electrical engineering degree and a computer science degree to do so. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a mess. I've, I've talked on here numerous times about our catastrophic instrument failure, which is still ongoing, but I got to do fun stuff like um, use piezometers today. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing it on, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skyping with our poor electrical engineer um, in California trying to tell me how to calibrate the machine. And it turns out, what was going wrong was not my fault. So that was at least nice. But um, yeah, I've done a lot of actual manual labor um, on electronics. And it's reminded me how important it is for people to understand stuff because no one does. And he lamented that over and over again. Yes. And I mean, <laughs> that's, that's, as we've talked about, that's what this class that I'm going to be teaching, a lot of it is about is it's laboratory equipment basically it's called techniques of uh experimental geoscience i think is what we oh nice. finally settled on nice. yes <laughs> there, there are several versions so i remember what the most current one is Gosh. but techniques of experimental geoscience yeah. um and we need that class i mean i'll be interested to see how you know your take on how it should go and how it actually goes because you know that won't be the same right you're prepared for that <laughs> oh yeah okay okay um you've taught before you know that but um yeah, it's something that no one knows about. And I've actually talked to a lot of different people in the last year about this thing, about how no one knows how to work on stuff anymore. And it's it's a soapbox that we can both get on very easily. But I think it's important to keep throwing that out there, you know, because these are skills that no one takes the time. And all you have to do is take the time to learn it, you know, and then you're leaps and bounds ahead of everyone else. Yes, absolutely. And also, you know, I, I lamented on Twitter to mixed reception about, <laughs> I, said, I said, why is academic geoscience consistently behind current technology? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and a great example of, I would say, scientists not taking the time to care about the technology uh, was an announcement or talk at DEF CON last week. Okay. And since so, I don't follow that at all, because I don't ever open my computer. <laughs> yeah, so DEF CON is basically the giant hacker convention right. every year. Uh, you know, you, you buy a cheap laptop and take it as a burner, because it will be <laughs> compromised by the time you leave. Um, <laughs> oh, is this the one that happens in Vegas, where everyone just hangs out and hacks into whatever they can? Yes. Okay, uh, <laughs> all right. I know. Even I know about that one. 
So they actually showed that uh, they, they were trying to build a search engine for Internet of Things devices, so things that are just you know out there connected to the Internet streaming data. And they saw all these really weird packets, and uh-huh. they were actually uh-huh. able to start sniffing around and determine that those are the seismic network packets. Wow. And then they were actually able to get a root terminal uh, (laughs) on this network. (laughs) That's really So they have administrator privileges. And, you know, the the company that their equipment was involved is denying any responsibility because they're saying – that the network operators never changed the default administrator passwords <gasps> on the hardware. Oh, no. So that's not even a hack. I mean, that's something anyone. So you just tried password, right? And there you go. <laughs> and they even showed, like, well, now with this access, we can inject whatever data we want. So we can make all the seismometers blind. We can inject a false earthquake. And if you did that intelligently with the right timing, you could set off all kinds of early warning systems and cost a bunch of money oh, to folks. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah. Wow. So staying up to date to me is a very important thing. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the part of the purpose of DEF CON, right? Uh, yes, it does make companies and most of the things that are talked about are responsibly disclosed beforehand but right. I mean, one of the other ones was some huge number of Volkswagen cars with an Arduino and a little bit of radio work you can unlock them oh, because I, I the, heard about that the rolling one. code was was not very secure so yeah there's a lot of <laughs> a the lot rolling of things code that we was talked about there that are kind of scary one two three four five that was the code yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's like um, it's like space balls. Right, exactly. <laughs> that's unbelievable. Wow. Um man. That's so scary. But that's what these things are for. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah. But that's that's kind of most of the news that I've been keeping up with. Uh, there's been some chatter in the, the Slack room about, you know, I talked about augmented geology apps, mm-hmm. augmented reality geology apps last week. So there's uh, been a little bit of chatter about that. Uh it's a lot of fun. I know several folks have joined the Slack room. So just a reminder, if you haven't, it's a lot of fun to hang out there and see what everybody's talking about. Oh, it totally is. I wound up having a, um, a side conversation about native science uh, with listener Martin. And we talked quite a bit about how to incorporate that into curriculum and, you know, how hard it is to tie Western science and indigenous knowledge together. But there's a big push um, in Africa to do that. And that's what he's looking at. And it was a it was really great. We wouldn't have connected, you know, we tried to connect through email, but this was doing it in the Slack room was really a great back and forth. And I think we both got a lot of ideas. So come over and join us for sure. Yeah. And well, listener Mark was doing this project at Doro Dango. I don't know if that's the right pronunciation. <laughs> um, basically making these compacted balls of mud that, that get polished. Awesome. So cool. And he said, there's all this kind of lore around, well, you should chill it to drive water out of the center. And he was kind of speculating on what the mechanism was and wondering if we had any ideas. So there's all kinds of random stuff going on in the Slack room. Oh, yeah. Super fun. Yes. But we can't we can't put it off, man. We have to hold ourselves accountable. <laughs> <laughs> so it's Summer Manifesto check-in time. Oh, man. We didn't do this last year. I like just throwing it out to the ether and then moving on like it never happened. But we're holding ourselves. I'm making you hold me accountable. I've wanted to have this this show for the last couple of weeks so I could get stuff done. Well, and I avoided it too. So Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But uh, go for it. What's okay, your, I'll what's rip your the Band-Aid one? off here. Yep. Uh, and I, these are just in order that I presented them last time. So. Right. Didn't play any favorites. The first one was to better tie together my dissertation document or procrastinate that by figuring out what tools I was going to use. <laughs> so what tools are you going to use? Uh, yeah. So I think <laughs> I I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to do everything in GitHub, but that's not going to happen. Uh, gotcha. Gotcha. It's, I, things will still live in GitHub for me probably, but the learning curve is steep enough. There's no way I can get my committee to send me pull requests for changes. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Um, I laugh because I think about 
trying to do that. I I barely know what that is, and to try to make my committee do that would have been nigh impossible. Yeah, and I mean, let's face it, they're they're there to evaluate the science, and I am far from the only person they're doing this for, so they don't have time. Yep, exactly. Uh, so what I think I'm going to do is, since I refuse to do it in Word... Uh, <laughs> Pages doesn't count either, man. Right. I'm going to write it all in Markdown. Wow. So plain, plain text. And it will be easy for them to edit a plain text file. And then all I have to do is use a diff command and um. you know, any, num- any number of diff tools. And I can see what they changed mm-hmm. and merge the changes that way. And then... At the very end, it's going to be pretty easy for me to take that Markdown file and turn it into a, a LaTeX file, and I have a t- LaTeX template already built up that obeys all of our guidelines, so then I can just compile it that way. That's nice. Was that provided to you, or was that something that you did? I think somebody in engineering originally made it, and it got passed to somebody over here, and nice. then uh, that's actually one of the other students. I made a, a repository for the... Uh, the candidacy exam template, and one of the other students is maintaining the repository for the dissertation document. Oh, that's nice. We have a we have web or pages template, and that's or I mean Word or pages templates, and that's that's all. That's where we stop. <laughs> yeah, this one isn't an official Penn State template, but I think it's pretty well maintained now. Nice, that's nice. So that's there's not a lot of progress on tying it together because well, the papers are written. It's yeah. just I need to. I need to munge them all into one big document. Right, exactly. But I think I know how I'm going to do it now. Well, you got a plan. That's what's important. So Um, uh, what's your first one? Oh, also in no particular order. Um, I was working on a proposal at the beginning of the summer. Um, It's sort of I've got added on to a pre-existing proposal. And so what I wanted to do, this is actually a successful summer checklist, is I wanted to go above and beyond. Um, there was a paleomagnetist already on this one, but I wanted to look into some new techniques and stuff that I could incorporate in there, and it actually got done. So we... Nice. Yeah, we resubmitted our proposal last week, I believe. Um, and I did quite a bit of revising, mostly because we had to make room for other stuff. But um, I incorporated a bunch of new anisotropy of magnetic susceptibility techniques that I haven't done before. I mean, I know how to do the technique, but um, that I haven't applied to sort of this glacial rock. And that's what we're going to do. I'm excited and kind of nervous to see if we get accepted because this is our fourth resubmit. So we'll see. Now, AMS, isn't that something about like you can tell the injection direction or something from how the minerals are aligned right exactly so looking at the alignment of the magnetic minerals to talk about the processes that got them there in the first place basically okay yeah it's been it's been a while Uh. yeah (laughs) we could do 10 shows on it and no one including myself will still understand it so Uh, yes (laughs) (laughs) but that was successful yay (laughs) awesome yep what's your next Oh, let's see. The next one was to build a web application and learn about web development. Uh, so this this one, I'm going to say sort of. Gotcha. gotcha. Uh, I did take, I watched some Linda courses on JavaScript and Docker and ways to do things in the cloud and set up web apps mm-hmm. and followed along with those. But I'm not to a level of competency with that yet, I would say. Gotcha. How, uh, how useful were the Linda courses? I think they're very useful, but I I learn very well through online video courses and screencasts. Like okay. that that learning style fits me. Uh, so I don't mind sitting in front of the computer or the iPad and watching them for you know like two hours every afternoon or something. <laughs> uh, you can do anything with coffee and or beer, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> but I did use the Jupyter dashboards, which are a way to build uh, sort of a web app with Python inside the Jupyter Notebooks. And I actually made an interface for my write-and-state modeling tool and gave a talk at SciPy about it. Ah, gotcha. And then the wonderful folks over at OBSPy put it up on their Seismo Live project page. So you can actually go on the web and play with my write-and-state friction simulator Ooh. now. So it is a web app, technically. Uh, 
Yeah. Yep. I would definitely check that off as the successful. But uh, <laughs> I have been also playing with some sensors. You know, like last week I mentioned the the rain sensors, and I've been trying to learn how to use Flask and Python to stand up some little local web data servers so that I can have all of my sensor projects at home serving local web pages that I can check with my phone. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So it, it's getting there. Gotcha. Um, that's good. That's good. I was wondering what you were going to say for this one when I revisited our original summer manifesto because I didn't remember talking to you about any of that. So, yeah, I don't have a, like a really snazzy page with graphs that are zoomable and dashboards. But that's you know. not Python. I mean, it's I don't have a JavaScript one yet, but I'm going to get there. It's going. It's going. It's going. Yes. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> So what's your next one? Um, okay, so I had written down uh, getting my grad student sort of, you know, set up with summer projects. And so, you know, I accumulated a couple more grad students this summer. That's what I did instead of <laughs> working with my two. So I have four grad students now. Um, and I'm really excited to get them going. But, you know, one of my grad students was away doing a... Uh, in internship, and then my other grad student, I'm just going to go ahead and hit both of these at the same time, helped me with the high school summer geoscience academy. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that one was kind of, I mean, it was kind of a forced thing in terms of I had to do it, so it was going to succeed in terms of summer goals. But um, my grad students and I did that, and I don't know if it was successful. They were high school kids getting out of the house for the summer as I gathered. And I think a lot of them had fun. So I'll go with a sort of successful on that. And I think you could go with successful on that. If they didn't, you know, continue to text each other and never look at you. Well, they took their, I, I, I mentioned that. I said, wow, you guys are very attentive. And one of the kids goes, they took our phones away. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what? It worked. Like, they didn't have anything else to do, so they had to pay attention. So um, I'm thinking, actually, about having a more more strict cell phone policy in my classes now because of that. I always wanted to say, like, you're a college student. You're an adult. You know, pay attention or not. But it was nice having the forced attention. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, there was a physics professor uh, at your fine institution (laughs) That would not allow people to use laptops in his right. class, which I, I like to take notes on a laptop right. a lot and of the I time. Uh, mm-hmm. But if somebody had one out, he would walk by and just close it <laughs> as he was lecturing. And I guess after I took the course, he had a much harder time enforcing this policy. So he planted one of his grad students <gasps> in the room with <laughs> an old non-working laptop and he was doing a demo that involved liquid nitrogen, and he went over and picked up this grad student's non-working laptop, dumped it in liquid nitrogen, and then shattered it on the floor, which made quite an impression on the students that weren't in on the little gag. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I do have liquid nitrogen and non-working laptops, both, and grad students, at my disposal. <laughs> oh, there you go. So there's the... <laughs> Man, nice. That's... That's a class hack. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> That's going to happen. I'll, I'll update I'll, I'll update you on this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> what do you got next? Uh, let's see. The next one, uh, getting my general class amateur radio license. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one hasn't <laughs> happened yet. <laughs> the, the, the book is here still. It is <laughs> staring at me every night. Uh, but as we talked about before the show right now i think my average laptop statistics for the last 30 days was awaken in use for 16 hours a day so uh, i'm guessing that's not reading the pdf of the ham radio manual yeah it's been a little crazy this summer so oh man well that's okay that's uh that's something that can sit there you know and still be achieved so that one hasn't happened yet. I'm hoping to have a long flight, you know, maybe AGU time or something that, that I can that. just blast through it. Yep. Um, well, I'll go to my biggest failure, too, which is clearly this manuscript that's just sitting here and my faculty webpage. <laughs> totally blank. <laughs> oh, no. I was hoping that you'd got something on the webpage, but I hadn't checked in with you about it. Oh, goodness, no. <laughs> Um, so I have it on, it's in my bullet journal, and by the end of this week, I'm going to take the stupid thing down. Um, 
if it, the person running the web page, I mean, it's just the rudimentary web page, not the actual, you know, fancy web page that I could make. And right. I'm going to at least give her, you know, just cut up my CV and put it in there. So there's at least something so I can stop getting solicitations from students that really don't have any idea what I do. <laughs> yeah. And only cite, you know, my last couple of papers and that's it. And so, yeah. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. That's, well, that's for my fall goals, I guess. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, that's going to happen. <sighs> All right. Well, <laughs> my next one was to prep for teaching this class. And you've and been doing that. <laughs> yes, this one is my biggest, you know, green check mark or smiley face or whatever. Uh, Excellent. There's so much progress on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am using... The technique that uh, Lindsay presented at SciPy, I think we linked that talk in a few Mm -hmm. episodes ago. I'll go ahead and do that again. Uh, Where basically I have a bunch of text documents that are the class content in a GitHub repository, and there's tons of automation. So every time I make a change, it rebuilds the web page and checks and makes sure there are no dead links and tells me if the build was successful and everything gets auto-posted and auto-updated. It's pretty fancy. And I'm going to be uh, recording all the lectures. I actually just bought a wireless mic this week, like a lapel. Ah. Uh, And so all the lectures will be recorded and on the website, along with all the course content. Every class has an activity in it. And it's going to be a very busy class from an instructor's point of view. But in theory, anybody can follow along online. Uh, So I'm excited about that. Yeah, that is pretty awesome. I'm assuming you're going to be blasting that uh, website out for all of our listeners that want to follow along too, right? Yes, I will put the link to its current state in the show notes. Lectures have not started yet, so there are none of those. And I'm trying to keep the content about two or three weeks ahead of where we are. Because I I feel like if I go much further out than that, uh, something will come up where somebody says, oh, we really want to know about this, not that. There are lecture outlines for all the lectures up, but they're very tentative outlines. Most of them don't have content yet. I think that's the mark of a really good teacher is the one that builds that in, in terms of, you know, I like to take classes, which I'm sure you do as well, obviously, where the students want to take it, you know, and it actually makes it much more interesting for the instructor for, say, something like intro geology that I'm teaching, you know, every year. And you don't want it to get boring. And so I always like to leave that um, at least like two weeks of lectures just sort of as slop somewhere in there. Because I know there's something that the students will want to talk about that I can like prepare a lecture over. And it's always a lot of fun to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And like there's some stuff where it's like, okay, we're going to talk about transducers. But I don't know exactly who's going to be in the class yet. The roster is still changing. And so if I get a bunch of geochemists, I'm going to go learn about what kind of transducers they use. And we're going to talk about those too. Right. Yeah. Uh, because it, I, I have learned a lot prepping the material for this. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of videos that are embedded. You know, I'm trying to make it as media rich and interactive as possible. And everybody's getting a SparkFun Inventors kit. So everybody's going to have an Arduino and some sensors and they have to write a little bit of code. And it's going to be a lot of fun, I think. Uh, that sounds awesome. Is that something that's available for people? Yes. Okay. Excellent. You should link that in the show notes too. I will. So if you want to buy the kit and follow along with this, I think it's uh, $99. Uh, that's pretty cool. Yes. Ah. Uh, Excellent. So I'm, I'm excited. And there will be some projects where we provide them with hardware that isn't in the kit, like strain gauges and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but you'll be able to mostly follow along with that. That is neat. Yeah. Oh. So what's your, my, my is, last is, it your one. is it your last one? It's my last one. Probably my biggest failure. Uh-oh. <laughs> I noticed that I had just gotten my new MacBook whenever we had our summer manifesto. Yeah. And I did not master it. I haven't even opened it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I opened it when I was at camp and I used it a little bit there. But since then, I haven't opened it one bit. Not even close. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I did get an Apple Pencil for my new iPad Pro, though. <laughs> so which, did you get the, the really big one or the kind of big one? The fancy big one. The really big one, the one that's I like a sheet so. of paper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Oh, the like iPad it? Pro. Yeah, it is huge. It's massive. It's super weird looking. Um, it makes our regular iPad look like a mini. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I I like it. It's not quite as portable, you know, because it's really big. It, it is the size of my MacBook Air. Yes. Like, uh. <laughs> it, you're like, I'll just snuggle down with this. Where do I put that? Man, this corner is like, like it's so, it's so unwieldy but i'm getting better at it but man the picture is just amazing and what i've explored with the apple pencil is it's pretty neat too so um i'm gonna try to maybe do some like lectures on it so i can incorporate that apple pencil into stuff so we'll see once um i start teaching if i like the size or if it's like too big to sort of walk around with so do you have the keyboard or are you typing on the glass or I, how are you doing it? I don't have the keyboard. I've thought about getting it. Um, I'm not sure because I already have a Microsoft Surface. So, you know, this is just sort of trying to figure out what I would like. But when I sat down today, I thought, you know what? I really actually would have liked to have the keyboard. I think it would be a little bit more friendly with it. Um, it is easier to type on the actual, you know, on the actual iPad just because it's so large. It's closer to a regular keyboard size. Yeah. So, um, well, at some point we need to revisit our devices because yes, yes, I, yes I've, we do. I've been carrying my MacBook Air and a Microsoft Surface uh-huh. and my iPhone yeah. every day, and then reading on an iPad at night. Yep. And I, I, I don't like having to carry three computers every day. Uh, uh yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. We definitely need to do this because um, I did something this this year, which is kind of. We were also talking about this before the show. I did not buy a parking permit, and <laughs> I'm actually Ooh. yeah. I I bought a parking permit, but it's um, through my church, which is 0.8 miles away from the building that I work in, and it started on Monday, so. Monday, I've got all my stuff, and I'm walking over there, and it's like my shoulders were killing me by the time I got <laughs> to my office. So I'm going to have to come up with a workaround where my computer stays at work most of the time. So I think we're definitely going to visit this sometime soon in terms of workflow again. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, like the, the new MacBook Pro that mm-hmm. we've been expecting to come out forever is now maybe not expected until October, and it's going to have really... I mean, it's going to be outdated by the time it comes out now. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so I'm I'm having a little bit of a computer crisis as I look at, oh. at where to go next as well. Okay, So yeah. we'll have to visit that at some we, point. We sure will. Um, I will say I'm going to go ahead and jump in and take the next, uh, the, my fall goals, because this segues beautifully into what my fall goals are. Um, man, and that's to look for a replacement for Evernote. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> Evernote kind of is dying. I kept waiting for them to be like like Netflix and be like, oh, just kidding. No one likes what we did. And for those of you that don't know, they sort of restricted, you know, the sharing of Evernote to two devices. Unless you you pay an incredible amount. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm sort of anti-paying for anything on a monthly basis. Like, I hate that. Like, I, I don't even have Dropbox pro yet which is the probably the one thing that's going to break me of this but i hate paying for stuff monthly and man i don't know so i'd like to hear from anyone if anyone uses OneNote, because that's obviously the one that i'm thinking about going to they have a transfer tool so you can actually grab all your evernote stuff and it shoves it into OneNote and categorizes it for you so have you used OneNote at all john i have and i was actually going to plan this entire class in OneNote until i decided oh. that it was going to be a website Wow. Okay. Well, that's um, a ringing endorsement. Well, there no. are things about it that drive me crazy. <laughs> well, as with all software, you probably don't write yourself, right? Yeah. Well, especially <laughs> the stuff I write myself. That has horrible UI. But um, <laughs> there are a few things about it that I think are me not fully internalizing the OneNote mindset, workflow, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yet. Uh, so I need to figure out, like, there, there has to be a better way to deal with PDFs and all that in it. Uh, I really like DevonThink, which is a, a Mac-only program that's sort of a similar thing. You can throw all kinds of files into it. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is Mac-only, and now that I'm kind of a cross-platform person, that's yep. an issue. Yep, exactly. Uh, um, so I am looking at OneNote a little bit heavier. How does OneNote work for the Mac pretty well? 
Yeah, it's actually not that bad. I would say it's probably one of the best applications Microsoft makes for the Mac. Excellent. Well, that makes me that makes me a little bit happy. I've definitely been trying to sort of use my Microsoft stuff all tied together more, whereas I was always one of those crazy, you know, I'm not going to have a login for all of this stuff, but I've been starting to do that so I can use it across these computers, mostly just so my shoulder doesn't hurt when I walk to school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, what's on your list for your fall goals? Well, I limited myself to four because I... <laughs> It's December will be here before we know it. Man, let's face it. Will it. Be. Yep. <laughs> uh, so my first one, which is, you know, consuming, is uh, <laughs> figure out where I'm going to be after this because right. I am nearing the end of my PhD, which yeah. is the time that everybody is frantically hunting for where they're going to go next. Right, so right, I am right. I am currently trying to figure that out and applying for anything that moves. <laughs> you and everyone else. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so I just submitted a, a full NSF packet a few weeks ago, uh, and then a couple smaller fellowship applications this week, mm-hmm. and uh, then a couple other job applications. So we'll see what what comes through in the next mm-hmm. few months. Yep, this will be exciting and awful at the same time. <laughs> it, it's absolutely terrifying not knowing whether you're going to be in the same town in four months or not. Right, exactly. As you know, getting drugged through mine with me, my whole process. So, yes, it's the same thing. Um, yep. <laughs> um, I have a goal that's kind of a goal slash I was on the Summer Manifesto. And I after every class or just during classes, I try to make a sort of to do better next time list because a lot of classes I know I'm going to teach over and over again. Um, and... I did pretty well at keeping that up throughout the semester last semester. And so putting together my syllabus this week, syllabi, I guess this week, um, I'm actually going to try to incorporate that. I know where that document lives on my computer, which is a big, that's a big victory. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm going to try to incorporate it into, you know, my lectures. I do pretty good the first week, but then I sort of forget to check it as the semester goes on. So that's going to be sort of at the top of my mind so I can, incorporate those good best practices nice yeah we'll see how it goes <laughs> hmm. all yeah. right mm-hmm. well let's see okay my next one was to try to finish a few instrumentation projects that i've been hammering on really hard uh literally <laughs> uh almost no <laughs> No, so there is some progress. I sent a couple of uh, parts out to get CNC machined while I'm gone at this conference. Oh, okay. Excellent. Uh, So I've been doing some work with machine shops, doing some work with uh, board houses to get some custom printed circuit boards made. But there's a lot of stuff that I've really been working on for in the, you know, six to eight month kind of time span Mm -hmm. that it's getting to that time of all the pieces are going to be coming together and doing the integration testing. So I would really like to have some of that done on at least one of them by the end of the fall because then it will be a completed project. Oh, yeah. yeah. Man, those check marks feel good. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those that I, I would like to be able to get out of my task management system, but it's it was a, you know, I had to design all the hardware, I had to write all the firmware, had to write the software to interact with it on the computer. So it was a really kind of soup to nuts. Everything, yeah. Instrument design, yeah. Yeah, nice. <laughs> Man, that one's yeah. That's gonna be like having a child or something when it's all, when it's all said and done. Well, and the manual just keeps growing and growing. I'm mostly writing the manual for myself because I right. don't remember what I did six or eight months ago. Right. Uh, exactly. But the manual's getting pretty huge. <laughs> nice, <laughs> bigger and weightier than the instrument itself. Yes. <laughs> Not a joke. Um. So speaking of weightier, yeah, that's I. I put read all the literature. That's that's my plan. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to sub- read all the literature and submit this manuscript or quit my job. Like that's my, that's my deadline to myself is that I've got to get this monkey manuscript off my back and then, um, it'll be time to start writing manuscripts with my grad students who are graduating in May. So, um, that's going to get done this fall. I'm making you hold me to this. <laughs> yes. I was going to say you, if you need somebody to click submit, I can I can remote desktop in for you. Of course you can. We're absolutely going to do that. We should live uh, feed it so, you know, I could have some applause, at least two people or something. Yeah, there you go. We'll have a submission YouTube, you know, Google Hangout thing. 
Exactly. I'm I'm all pro that. That sounds great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think our last two are really similar. Right? Uh, yeah. So my next last one was to actually assemble my dissertation, which oh, we talked about right. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, except for the final paper, which has not been fully completed yet. Uh, but the last one is don't let this class kill me. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Man, they can. It's hard. This is my like fourth year teaching intro geology, so I feel I feel pretty comfortable now. But I mean, the first two years trying to teach that sucked. Yeah, and I, you know, it was maybe not the smartest thing of me to say. I'm going to uh-huh. finish up and yep. teach a class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, t- that has no <laughs> content developed for it. Exactly. <laughs> I taught I taught two classes the semester that I was finishing my dissertation and there was a lot of content already developed well most of the content for at least one of them was totally developed so that was nice so yeah I can see I can um see where this might kill you so just don't let it um I'm teaching a new class too but it's nothing as intense as yours because it's a graduate seminar class called geology of extreme climates oh cool Uh, Yeah, we're going to look at glaciers and deserts and then extraterrestrial stuff. And I'm super excited about it because it sounds like it's just going to be fun. Yeah. So I I see some show topics in there, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh. (laughs) Uh, Somebody handed me a book the other day that was comparing Mars to Egypt. And it was an entire volume on doing that. And I thought, I love you, person. You made my life so happy. (laughs) So um, thanks for that, Susan. That was a huge help. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, well, I have a, a small secret weapon that you might want to try. Uh-oh. <laughs> because since I am making web pages that have the content, because ideally I would like people to be able to reference this content for like how to use a micrometer, how to repair this kind of circuit, mm-hmm. uh, instead of calling me <laughs> after, <laughs> <laughs> after I leave. Uh, yep. So since I am trying to put it all on there, I actually was having... I've had some issues with RSI before mm-hmm. from computering for 16 hours a day. <laughs> uh, so I'm starting to use like an ergonomic mouse and ergonomic keyboard and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was still having some issues. And my secret tool has been I bought a piece of dictation software. <gasps> and so I've been oh. dictating most of the content on the web page now. Oh, nice. Is it working well? It is. You have to go back and edit some places uh for example adiabatic does not (laughs) dictate well (laughs) but most things do and the thing i was most impressed with is i said something you know like five degrees celsius per kilometer and Mm -hmm. it typed five degree symbol c kilometer (gasps) and i was like wow that was smart that's uh, impressive. So that was definitely quicker than me going to the edit, insert, you know, yada, yada, yada. Like, yeah. That's kind of awesome. Hmm. So I was, I was impressed. It's Dragon Dictate for anybody that's curious. Oh, that was the one I actually had. <laughs> I will say I actually had my doctor recommend that to me when I was writing my dissertation and went to the doctor for RSI problems. <laughs> <laughs> she said that or hire an undergrad. <laughs> Yeah, so. you know, I think that they really need, like, a, a dissertation readiness <laughs> pack that the university just gives you that's a piece of dictation software. Uh, some some kind of, yeah, some Pop-Tarts and a box of chocolate and, you know, a box Tissues. of Kleenex. Uh, <laughs> a few new keyboards for yeah. when yours goes out through the window. Exactly. Oh man, so true. And a, and an undergrad to dictate for you. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. Well, we have a lot on our plates as we always do, and hopefully broadcasting this to the universe keeps us accountable. Yes, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yep. But the one thing that we're always going to be doing is the show. Yeah, exactly. Um shockingly enough, <laughs> You know, this show really is uh, one of the highlights of the week. Oh, uh, man, I know. And it's like, it's a, for me, too, because, I mean, I, if you can't tell, John is very organized and 
has his stuff together, and I'm the more ephemeral, flighty of the <laughs> duo. <laughs> and so, like, having the anchor of this thing that we do every week, because we really rarely record, you know, a couple at a time. Like, we, I think because we both like to sit down once a week and do this, mostly. Um, it, it certainly helps, and it's great uh, to get back to a lot of these concepts that we might just be like, oh, we know exactly what that is. It's really fun to come back to those things. And just like John was talking about earlier, you learn more by teaching than you ever do by taking a class. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So I agree. And we have our most fun thing we've ever done, and that is we get to judge limericks in the next couple of weeks, and I can't wait. Yes. So it'll <laughs> probably be not the next show, but probably the next one. Right, right. We've, we've got a bunch to sift through. We do. <laughs> and we are trying to coordinate a time to record it with our judge so that they can be all three of us mm-hmm. on. And uh, I, there is still time not to submit a new limerick because that, that deadline has passed. Yep. But if you want to send us an audio recording of you performing your limerick, we would be happy to play it amongst the others that we are going to read before we announce the winners. Oh, yes, absolutely. Or if that one is the winner, you can read it yourself. <laughs> yes. And don't forget, we have stickers. Yay! Stickers. So I've, I've mailed uh, several out, including leaving some... Uh, with random people that seemed like they would enjoy our show. So <laughs> that was probably that, uh, that was probably wonderful. So anyone that has any, you know, don't panic written anywhere on anything they own, we will sticker it for you when you're not looking. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> so, expect that coming up soon. We're excited about that, but it is time for everybody's favorite segment of the show. Fun Paper Friday! Yay! Oh, there's Bear Bells. <laughs> bear Bells! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best I can do. <laughs> Only a geologist. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I have, I'll get stereo bell, Bear Bells going next time, but um, my son keeps the yellow bell, so I'm going to have to steal it from him. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, where'd you drag this one up? <laughs> I actually saw this uh, written up as a press release. <laughs> Oh, nice. <laughs> and thought, that sounds interesting. Uh, and it, it was. Yes, yes, it was. Um, I'll let you go ahead and introduce that. I have a, I have a subtitle for it. So. Okay, so it is called Acoustic Levitation of a Large Solid Sphere by Andrade et al. Mm-hmm. I hopefully said that right. That's how I would say it as well. Yes. <laughs> um, and this is in Applied Physics Letters. And my subtext is floaty balls. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's what this is. And I thought it was really odd. Yeah. That's and so I've that's... actually, I, I've seen a variation of this done before. The idea is they want to use acoustic waves to hold, levitate, manipulate objects. Right. And um, I have seen the setup they talk about where you have, uh, you create standing waves and that you take these little bitty tiny pieces of foam and you can suspend them uh, you can suspend them at the nodes. Right. And so I mean I guess the thing that's interesting about this paper is that before they said right that the particles that you're suspending have to be smaller than half the wavelength, right? Right. And so not anymore. Yeah, so this one is several times the wavelength. It's a pretty good size uh, sphere of it's just expanded styrofoam oh right uh, yeah exactly so 3.6 times the wavelength which i assume is just a random number because that's the size of expanded foam ball that they could get right uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's my thoughts anyway <laughs> and so th- this this is called acoustic trapping and if you think about so say you pluck a string and it's vibrating at some characteristic frequency uh, there are going to be nodes or points on that string that are not moving. Right. And so if you place an object at the node of these standing waves that they create, uh, you can actually exert acoustic pressure on them. Right. And that pressure can suspend the object. In this case, it's exerting about uh, it one point something grams. Mm-hmm. Uh, countering gravity so there's of course there's a there's a fancy name for it it's the acoustic radiation force right right there you go mm-hmm. um, yeah 
<laughs> so if you haven't looked this up yet, right, you've got three transducers, sort of like tripod, right? And it's just a foam ball that they've stuck in between these transducers that is being kept there. Right. And, <laughs> and so the transducers are emitting a 25 kilohertz wave. Uh-huh. And they're displacing, I think they said the surface displacement on the transducers was 20 microns. Yep. Uh, that is it. Yeah. And that's really, they had to, of course, get everything synced up correctly. They had to use different function generators because, of course, the transducers operated with slightly different characteristic frequencies and had slightly different temperature effects. So it was a little bit of a fiddly thing to get set up, it sounds like. Uh, I thought that was interesting, too, because, I mean, obviously, they're exactly the same. You know, they've got three of the same transducer, but it didn't, you know, (laughs) nothing ever works exactly perfectly. Right. And (laughs) they did a simulation with a package called ComSol, which I've used a little bit before. Have you ever played with ComSol? Uh, No, I didn't. I looked it up just to see what it looked like to see if I had seen it before, but I had not. And so it's a a multi-physics engine, Mm -hmm. and... A lot of university folks use it. Uh, right. Like I said, I haven't really used it too much. But they did a model of what the acoustic radiation pressure should be. And, you know, they were getting things like roughly 7,000 pascals uh, at the part of the ball that is normal to the transducer. Mm-hmm. And then they uh, had what I thought was actually a pretty genius experiment. Uh, <laughs> is this is this proofing the force? Because this is my first note because I thought this was really great. Yeah, yeah, so I'll let yes. you take it. <laughs> I, I thought it was awesome. So just like John said, they did this numerical model, but now they had to prove what this acoustic force being applied was. And so they just weighed the ball on a scale and then stuck the transducer, you know, on top of it and measured the difference of what the actual transducer, when it was acoustically levitating this ball, what the actual force was on it. <laughs> like how simple and beautiful is that? Yeah, so the transducer was pushing down on the ball and increased yeah. its weight on the scale. And yeah. <laughs> then they moved the transducer away at different heights from mm-hmm. uh, a fraction of a millimeter up to about 30 millimeters. Yep. And, yep, it perfectly resembled the model. There's actually a little bit more force generated in the experiment than the model predicted uh, right. at the the peak force areas. Mm-hmm. And they said that was due to some simplifications in the model and, of course the transducers and real life not being quite ideal. Right. Yeah, exactly. All those nonlinear effects that never get taken account for because it's just really hard to do that. Um, and it was obviously a lot more. They did this in like 0.1 millimeter steps with like a motorized stage. So it's not like they were just holding the transducer and measuring it. It was very, you know, experimentally correct. But I just thought it was so simple and wonderful, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I don't know exactly what I would have done, but I would have been trying to come up with some kind of thing exactly. that, while it was suspended, some exactly. kind of cage or yeah. string gauges on I don't know. But exactly. nope, this was like, nope. We're a just going to set it on the scale and stick this transducer right on top of it. Um, that was my favorite part of this whole paper. That was beautiful. Um, I do have a question for you, though, because I didn't quite get it from reading it. Um, what's the practical applications of this knowledge? Oh, so this is cool. Uh, I hope you would have an answer. (laughs) This is one of the things that I really like about papers like this Mm -hmm. that seem like who's going to levitate a foam ball in the real world. Right, exactly. Why did we pay you to do this? Um, (laughs) No, so the idea is, one, you can use it to manipulate things like large fluid balls in space in experiments. So you could mix, you could take several fluid balls and control their position and put them together and mix them. That's cool. Uh, The other one that I think is really cool is one of the things that's really hard to handle here on Earth is hot metals. Right. Because, well, they're melted metal. And when you try to put them in containers that are also metal, you have to have something that has a higher melting point, right? (laughs) Right, Uh, exactly. Or ceramics, all kinds of stuff. Uh, They think that it would actually be possible to acoustically levitate balls of molten material for manufacturing purposes that's crazy i never thought about that so from a process standpoint if you could imagine you know you need to do some kind of very fine polishing process or very fine mixing process or move something that is hot and if you clamped it with a physical manipulator while it was hot uh, could be damaged 
you might be able to have an acoustic grabber on the end of a robot one day that can oh, go over this part and pick it up. Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm a big picture kind of gal, so I thought a lot grander. And having been inside a smelter before, what I just imagined was transducers the size of the pinstocks that we talked about in the dam episode <laughs> and like massive balls of molten metal being mixed together overhead. That's, that's super cool. <laughs> That sounds a little Tony Stark like. Hey. But that <laughs> would be the, very cool. You're the one that came up with this floating foam ball paper, man. It can be done. That's <laughs> that's super cool. <laughs> so I mean, like a lot of the papers, especially the materials like papers that we talk about on here, I think the main applications are in manufacturing. Right. Right, exactly. That's what I figured. Um, I didn't really think that far. I heard I saw the thing that said, you know, liquids, but I didn't think about molten liquids so that's well obviously molten but molten metal that's pretty neat and i don't know this seems like it would be incredibly risky but there are so many chemicals that are very hard to contain in things right. of super strong acids and that kind of thing i wonder if you could manipulate those uh yeah that would be super scary well no more scary than molten metals really let's get let's get real yeah, true. <laughs> that was a that was a good find. That was a very interesting little read, and everyone can read that. So, yes, the PDF is open, and it will be linked in the show notes. Great. So, Shannon, if they want to find the show notes or any of the other uh, wonderful shows <laughs> that we've done, <laughs> or ways to interact with this, how can they do that? Well, you can always visit our website, don'tpanicgeocast.com. You can find us on iTunes or any of your other favorite podcatchers. Um, you can also email us, show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. Send in your uh, self-reading your limerick, and we will definitely play that and have that available for everyone. We're on Twitter, at don'tpanicgeo. John is at geo underscore Lehman. I'm at Shannon Doolin. And come over to swung.rocks and hang out with us in our Slack chat room. Absolutely. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. <laughs>